We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. All right, I think we can get going. So, big welcome to everybody. My name is Nick. I'll be leading us through the meeting today. And a special welcome to anybody visiting, uh, anybody here for the first time, and those maybe visiting us from overseas. It's, it's really good to have you here. I just wanted to read something. This is from... Oh, my family think maybe that was my dad singing, so uh, dad maybe have made a second appearance. Right, I'm just going to read from Psalm 66. And I want to read this as a real just encouragement and a challenge to us as we step into a time of worship, just on choosing to focus on who God is. So this is Psalm 66, verse 1 to about verses 1 to 6. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. And that psalm goes on to declare so much about who God is. And I just thought, as, we, uh, as I'm about to hand over to Mark, who's going to lead us in some songs, that is the God that we're coming to worship this morning. Over to you, Mark. Good morning, everybody. I was just thinking that the Mars probe and the pictures coming back from Mars and how far Mars is away and how long that probe took to get there. That's our God that spoke that planet into being. And that's that God that knows us individually. It's amazing, isn't it? He is a huge, great, almighty, big God. And so I love this song, Our God is a Great Big God, because it allows us to use our bodies to, uh, to demonstrate that. So please do get up, kids and families, and let's enjoy worshipping God together. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and He holds us in His hands. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and He holds us in His hands. He's higher than a skyscraper. He's deeper than a submarine. He's wider than the universe and beyond my wildest dreams. And He knows me and He's loved me since before the world began. How wonderful to be a part of God's amazing plan. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and He holds us in His hands. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and holds us in His hands. He's higher than a skyscraper, He's deeper than a submarine. He's wider than the universe and beyond my wildest dreams. And He's known me and He's loved me since before the world began. How wonderful to be a part of God's amazing plan. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and He holds us in His hands. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and He holds us in His hands. He's higher than a skyscraper. He's deeper than a submarine. He's wider than the universe. 
beyond my wildest dreams And he's known me and he's loved me Since before the world began How wonderful to be a part Of God's amazing plan Our God is a great big God Our God is a great big God our God is a great big God and he holds us in his hands. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God and he holds us in his hands. 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 I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Oh, I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, home will arise. And death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah Cause I will watch the darkness flee I raise a hallelujah You lost your hold on me I raise a hallelujah I fear you lost your hold on me And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Home will arise Death is defeated The king is alive Sing a little louder In the presence of my enemies Sing a little louder Louder than the unbelief Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder, in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. And I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. 
Death is defeated. King is alive. Louder. In the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief, sing a little louder. My weapon is the melody, sing a little louder. Heaven comes to fight for me, sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Home will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive, and I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna hear a testimony now from Oleg, based in Ukraine. Hi everyone, I'm Oleg from Ukraine. Last Sunday on the morning, I prayed for solutions of some problems at my work. These problems worried and disturbed me a lot. A few hours later, when the Sunday meetings began and when Kim was telling her testimony. I hear such words. God wants to be part of our work. I was shocked because at the moment I really felt that these words were addressed to me personally. And when, after a few seconds, Richard repeated again, God wants to be part of our work, I felt relief in my spirit about my work. It was a miracle for me. I physically felt how trouble and worry leave me, and instead my heart uh, was feeling this real peace. You know, I didn't receive specific answers to my specific questions, although that would be a great victory in battle about my work. But God did better. He taught me, I want to be a part of your job. In this became a victory for me in a whole war, not just one battle. Now I know God is part of my work. And uh, I realized uh, one very important thing. We must testify about the works of God in our lives. It really glorifies Him. It's His wish, even the smallest. And as uh, anyone can think, uh, insignificant testimony about God's actions can change someone's life. We cannot know how and when it will happen or who can benefit from it. Therefore, don't wait, don't hesitate, don't be afraid that someone can think that your testimony is not interesting or unimportant. Just talk, because all actions of God are wonderful and amazing. And we have to loudly declare this. Thank you. Bye. That's such an amazing, such an amazing testimony. We've just been singing about singing in the middle of the storm and Oleg finding himself in the middle of the storm in work. And hearing Kim's testimony and that in really, really bringing something new to him, God just sort of downloading into him that I am with you. I'm interested in your work and I want to be a part of this. And what a, what a, just such a good encouragement um, just to hear the power of Oleg hearing someone else share their testimony allowed God to meet with him in a situation. So I'm going to pass back over to Mark and yeah, let's spend some more time worshiping.
Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, nor be all else to me, save that thou art thou my best thought by day or by night waking or sleeping thy presence my light be thou my wisdom and thou my true word I ever with thee and thou with me Lord thou my great father and I thy true son thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I need not, no man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. I, King of heaven, my treasure Thou art. I, King of ah. heaven, my victory won may i reach heaven's joys bright heaven sun the heart of my own heart whatever before still be my vision Oh, roller, oh, oh. Father God, we just thank you that you have got plans. Plans and purposes for each of us, Father God. And Father, we just want to recognize you again. You are God. And we are your people, Father. Father, we lay ourselves, we lay our lives down before you again this morning. And we say, be high and lifted up, almighty God. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold, our God seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold, our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. counsel to the Lord who can questions any of his words who can teach the one who knows all things 
who can fathom all his wondrous deeds behold our God seated on his throne come let us adore him behold the king nothing can compare come let us adore him who has built the nails upon his hand of sinful man God eternal humble to the grave Jesus Savior risen now to reign behold the God seated on his throne come let us adore him Behold the King, nothing can compare, come let us adore Him. You will reign forever, you will reign forever. adore him behold the king nothing can compare come let us Great are you, Lord. 
You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing great. Are you, Lord? And all the earth will shout in your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing great. Are you, Lord? And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out your praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out your praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out your praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, Lord. Jeremy Simmons has just um, shared something with me that I'm going to share for us. It's from Psalm 37, verses 18 and 19. And it says, the Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. And Jeremy was feeling that through that, God's reminding us that he's a God of abundance in times of famine or restriction that we're experiencing at the moment. And that we are the blameless and that we are his children. And that is God's promise to us. And if you feel that God is speaking to you through that, there will be an opportunity to respond in prayer after the meeting. And I will let you know details of that. But if you feel that God's speaking to you of that, I'd really encourage you to respond at the end. We have first Tuesday prayer uh, this coming Tuesday. So that's at 8 p.m. And the link for that is in the weekly briefing in the email. Um, if for any reason you don't have the link and you're new, just ask the person who maybe told you if you'd like to join. But that's this Tuesday at 8 p.m. Right, I'm going to hand over to Lottie now, who's going to be sharing with us this morning. 
Um, very nice to see you this morning. Um, so I want to talk to you this morning about something I've been thinking about for a few months. Um, it's been quite an exciting week, hasn't it? I, I don't know if you heard the announcement on Monday from the Prime Minister that, you know, things are, there's a this roadmap to get back to normal. Um, and if you're anything like me, you started mentally planning all the things you were going to do. And I found myself sort of fast forwarding these next few weeks coming up. Um, and I think our worlds feel like they've become very small over the past few months. And there's this feeling of, oh, I might be able to do something that feels significant again, whether that's professionally or personally or socially. Um, and I was just stopped in my tracks as I remembered something that's really stayed with me throughout the year. And that's the idea that no matter how quiet or mundane our lives seem, they can still glorify God. And when we submit to him, just like John was has been talking about over the past couple of weeks, his light will shine through us. And it might not look very impressive in natural terms, but the impact it has on the people around us can be enormous. Um, and there's an author who I, I quite like called Mark Sayers, and he calls it this idea, the raw of quiet living. Um, and that kind of phrase really struck me, just that kind of uh, paradox that actually as we live quietly, the impact it has in the kingdom is enormous. And he takes this idea from a passage in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. So um, I, I went back and I read that letter and it what really struck me is how much it's a letter for our times at the moment. Um, so it's addressed from Paul, Silas and Timothy to uh, a young church in Thessalonica. Um, and it has a real resonance to our own situation in this pandemic. So the context is that he, Paul has been separated from this fledgling group of believers who he clearly loves very much. Um, and he just expresses this huge frustration that he can't be with them. And he describes this separation as being orphans, just this kind of real feeling of being bereft because those relationships um, can't happen in, in person. And that really made me think about how we are having to do church at the moment and interact with each other. Um, obviously, we, we still have Zoom, we have phone calls, we have our one-to-one, -one, good most part walks. Um, we're not restricted to very occasional letters like Paul. But I think we've probably all experienced that feeling of being bereft of one another, just missing being together, just that desire to be family. Um, and there's a simplicity in the content of the letter. His aim is really to encourage. He's basically saying, look, you're doing so well at loving each other. Do it more and more. Just keep doing it. Keep asking God for more of this love you have for each other in your lives. Um, so back to this idea of living a quiet life. Um, I'm just going to read to you from the letter. So it's 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 9 to 12. Uh, and it says this, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you brothers and sisters to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will be dependent on no one. So here, Paul calls the church to have a quiet life as their ambition. In other words, he wants it to be their priority, the thing they aspire for. And that, that seems like a bit of a contradiction in terms, certainly from our perspective in the modern world, the idea that kind of getting on with it and leaving a quiet life could be something that we aspire for. Ambition to me conjures up a picture of, you know, achieving something great, making our mark on the world. Um, and I found this idea really interesting. So I looked at some different translations. Uh, the King James um, translates as study to be quiet, which has that idea of, you know, really put, put everything into finding out or, you know, uh, working on this idea of a quiet life. 
And the Good News Bible says, make it your aim. The New Living Translation says, make it your goal. And the ESV says, aspire to live quietly. So in all of these translations, there's this idea that actually our main goal should be a quiet life, which doesn't really in some way seem to fit with the task that's been set before us to spread the gospel or, mm-hmm. um, you know, bring kingdom. Um, but it does for me call to mind the way in which God uses the small or the seemingly insignificant. He brings, he uses it time and time again to bring his kingdom. If you look at um, how God uses David to defeat Goliath, how he sends Jesus as a baby, um, when Jesus tells the story of the widow with the two mites, um, as compared to the, the rich people giving lots and lots of wealth, actually it was the small thing that meant the most to God. And he says, let the ch-, Jesus says, let the children come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. And time and again, we see God valuing the small, the insignificant, the humble. And he gives this high value to things that we as humans can sometimes see as less significant. Um, and I just, I really felt that sense that we mustn't despise the small things. And that, and as Oleg gave his testimony this morning saying, you know, those little things that God are doing, they're all incredibly important. I was just like, yes, it's true. Let's not despise those small things. Um, and in so many ways, the gospel, this good news that we carry subverts a natural or worldly way of thinking. Um, In this line in Paul's letter, our ambition is transformed into something that's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. It's a promise in his kingdom. And it seems from the way that Paul phrases this, that a means of unlocking this promise is this idea of leading a quiet life. So I just want to look a little bit at what what does Paul mean by a quiet life? Because when you first read it, it might make you think of things like, oh, just keep your head down, get on with it. Maybe the idea of taking the easiest path. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, um, taking the path of least resistance, you know, just just getting through. Um, there's also that that British phrase, oh, anything for a quiet life, like just, you know, almost shut yourself in and, and you don't want any complication or trouble. Or maybe um, you've heard this phrase, it's a bit more modern, the kind of, I'll just do me, or you just do you, you know, just get on with it. You don't have to worry about what other people uh, are doing. You just make sure you're fine and concentrate on making sure your world is happy and comfortable. Um, But I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here when he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I think he's talking about something that's a bit more fundamental and a bit more in line with Um, the way that Jesus lived his life and there's a beautiful simplicity to this goal that he sets out and it seems like it's accessible whoever you are Um, I had a quick look I'm no no scholar but I had a little quick look thanks to Wikipedia at the Greek words that Paul uses for quiet here and it translates um, it can also be translated as a sort of being still being at rest Um, this kind of idea of contentment that actually whatever our hands are doing, we can be okay with that, be happy with that. And in, in this passage, Paul talks about minding your own business, working with your hands. And he's describing, it, it sounds quite practical, but I think what he's describing is a life that has the hallmarks of integrity, of diligence, of commitment. And again and again in this letter, he talks about relationship, about loving each other. That's the thing he keeps coming back to, which I think is really important to remember when we think about leading a quiet life. It's not about shutting off from the world. It's not about, um, you know, just just doing me. It's about um, it's about having these uh, characteristics built into who we are. And that's what will have an impact on the world. If you kind of know what happened to Paul and Silas, um, it seems a bit of a strange way of life for him to recommend. Like he he didn't exactly live a kind of low-key small town life. He led pretty exciting existence. Um, he traveled the world, he was chased out of town, you know, he had kind of angelic prison breaks. Um, you know, he was absolutely unashamed in his preaching of the gospel. Um, that doesn't sound like a quiet life. 
And it's interesting because I think Paul is aware of this when he writes this letter, because he makes pains to highlight the way that he and Silas conducted themselves when they were with the Thessalonians. Um, earlier in the letter, he talks about how he worked with his hands to make sure that they weren't dependent and how they were an example to the believers. And I think he's saying, actually, yeah, <laughs> these crazy things have happened to us. But, but the, the basis for all of our actions is this desire to, to humbly and um, consistently serve God and, and be glorifying to him. And the point is that to God, our obedience and devotion is the same, whether it looks small and quiet or whether it looks big and dramatic. It doesn't matter. It's about what's going on inside and, and what our attitude is. And our lives will glorify him as we submit them to love people. And it might be that our quiet life turns out to be quite loud or quite public. Um, it might be that we're in Parliament or, you know, at an important meeting. We have position, but our basis for action needs to remain rooted in this humility and integrity that Paul is highlighting here in this call to live a quiet life. Um, and I think that's really pertinent for us to remember at the moment when for so many of us, daily life is pretty mundane. Um, I was really struck the other week by Elspeth's story that she shared about just feeling like, God, I can't do lockdown anymore. I'm done now. And God meeting her in that and and giving her the grace to carry on. Um, and it felt like pretty much everyone I spoke to around that time was going through a similar thing, just this frustration at how repetitive and gruelling life had become. But this passage speaks to that frustration and highlights that no matter what we're going through, what our lives look like, God values every part of who we are and what we do in whatever season we find ourselves. And that's really, really powerful. Um, personally, when I found out that my two children wouldn't be going back to school after Christmas, I was pretty devastated. I just had this kind of oh, I can't do this endless homeschool, cooking meals, cleaning, going to bed and then repeating it. Um, it just felt so pointless. But actually, as I gave myself to the task and, and sort of asked God for help, I realised that I had such an opportunity to glorify him. And I just experienced this new sense of purpose and contentment as I sat through endless lessons. And that doesn't mean it was always easy. Sometimes it just was so dull <laughs> um, or so you know, difficult to, to get them to concentrate or whatever. But I started to see the privilege in being part of my kids' education, the privilege in being part of that journey for them and, and actually see this glorifying, this is building people, even though no one else can see it and no one else knows what's going on. And I think there's a submission of our own ambition that God requires of us. It's hard sometimes to work for no payback and no glory, but that's okay. That's what God calls us to. And I think we're wired sometimes. We want to see results. We want to make sure things are successful. We want to see the fruit of our labors. And sometimes God allows us to see that. But sometimes it's just about getting on with it. And I, I don't think it's wrong to have aspirations. I don't think it's wrong to want to achieve things. Um, and often our ambition is in line with God's heart. You know, maybe it's about evangelism or seeing some really important social change. But whatever it is, we still need to submit it to God. And I think this attitude of quiet living is a tool that helps us to do that. And it's this humility of ambition that, demonstrates Christ to the world. Um, it's a simple goal to be a disciple of Jesus. And I think it blows the limits off of what we think we can achieve. You know, God is able to do so much more than we could ask or imagine. Um, and as we submit our ambitions to him, we allow him to, to take them and, and turn them into something that glorifies him and spreads his kingdom. And I think Jesus was the ultimate example of this approach. In every moment of his life on earth, he brought glory to God, whether that was having a meal with his followers, washing their feet, whether it was going out into the desert on his own, feeding thousands of people miraculously. It was at a wedding feast and it was on the cross. You know, he 
there's no difference in in how much his life glorified God wherever he was. And I think that speaks to us to think about where we are now in pandemic and not wish away those weeks like I found myself doing. I'm just going to read you this bit from Philippians. It's um, chapter two, verses six to eight. And it's really describing that position and mindset that, that Jesus has. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So that just really is our ultimate picture of submitting our ambitions and our our kind of hopes to God and trusting him with them. And Paul makes it clear as well that loving the brothers is such an important part of this way of life, as I mentioned before. And he talks about it throughout this passage and this letter again and again. And for us during this time, when we're limited in, in some of our usual gestures or ways of serving each other, but the thing is our love remains the same. And over this year, we've found new ways to demonstrate it. And I really believe that before all this is over and we're kind of looking back on it as some kind of strange dream, there is more for us to grasp in terms of how we love each other and how we reach out beyond our own worlds and um, invite other people into our daily life. So I think that's the approach that Paul is describing here, but how, how does it roar? So that, that's quite a strong word that um, is in that Mark Sayers quote, the roar of quiet living. And um, Paul, in, in the passage I read at the beginning there, he says that, our, that for the Thessalonians, their daily life will win, win the respect of outsiders. And if you read the rest of the letter, you can see that their quiet life has a wide ranging impact. Um, I'm just going to read to you from chapter one, verse seven to eight. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. So the way that they get on with their daily grind, uh, whatever that looks like, and the way that they love each other has meant that they are famous everywhere for their faith in God. And I just think that's such a powerful picture for us of trusting that as we submit to God, he will, he will be glorified and he will use us to spread the good news that he's given us. Um, so John has been sharing with us about being light in the world. And you could kind of, as I said, look at this idea of quiet living and think, oh, it's about keeping our heads down and disengaging. But I don't think that's what it's about at all. If you look at Paul with his shipwrecks and his kind of adventurous journeys and how he spoke his mind and declared the gospel, he, you know, he, he wasn't quiet about it. But I think he's saying, look, my attitude is the same, whether I'm, I'm I'm kind of being chased out of town for spreading the gospel or whether I'm working with my hands to support myself as I um, try and, and foster this young church. And he's not, I don't think Paul's saying we shouldn't have a view about and a voice in issues we see around us. But our first position has to be as, as a disciple of Jesus, submitted to him, um, and once we have that, there's a freedom that we can trust the Holy Spirit will guide us. The idea of quiet living is very countercultural for us today. Um, ambition and recognition, self-satisfaction and comfort, they're the main drivers in Western society. That's kind of the utopia that everyone's driving for. Um, the point that Mark Sayers makes is that this quiet way of living, it stands out and it speaks huge volumes in a culture where everyone else is shouting, actually. But this, this contrast, this um, example of Christ's body on earth 
it, it, it speaks so loudly and we shouldn't underestimate the power of that um that body that we have together and that sound can't be replicated by the world that that's a sound that only god and his holy spirit can create in people so i want to leave you with a challenge I want, I want you to ask yourself am i frustrated or bored have i fast forwarded the next few weeks and thought oh great life can start again and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and transform the way you see your daily life, even the bits that no one else sees. You know, some of us have been shielding maybe on our own and we haven't seen anyone really in face to face for months. But that doesn't mean that your life is not bringing glory to God and it doesn't mean it's not speaking beyond what you can even imagine. So let's just ask God to come and transform our mindsets on this one. And the other challenge is, do you need to submit your ambitions to God? What, what's working against that kind of humility and obedience to God in your life? And if, if you can identify something, then, then give that to him, because he doesn't necessarily want to take it away, but he wants to use it for his glory. Thank you, Lottie. That was great. So I was just scribbling away. So a couple of challenges there. Am I frustrated or bored? And uh, if asking the Holy Spirit to come and transform in, come and transform our, our mindsets and our daily lives. And is there something that we need to submit? Are there ambitions that we need to submit to God? That was great. Can't read the rest of my notes right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Lottie. So we're going to bring it to a close. Uh, soon we're going to have our usual breakout rooms where you can say hello to each other but if you're new or visiting or have been new in the last few weeks or here visiting for the first time our leader John Singleton would love to have a chance to meet you and say hi so if you would like to just meet John and say hello um, don't join a breakout room and just stay in this main meeting room but that is if you're new or visiting and there'll be an opportunity to to say hi to John and, and for him to introduce himself. Um, but otherwise you are welcome to join a breakout room. Um, we have the opportunity for prayer also, um, and the prayer room will be open as soon as the breakout rooms close. So you can click on the link for that, the Zoom link for that in your emails. But yeah, otherwise we will call it a day there. So if you'd like to join a breakout room, you'll get the opportunity. You can just press join. But if you're new or visiting, um, feel free to stay in this main thank you for listening to this podcast by lifeline church we hope this message has been an encouragement to you we are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate god's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways we believe that god has called us to have an impact on our families our communities and our nation We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.